Good morning. Uh, I am Sarah, if you don't know me. Uh, and if you weren't here last week, you weren't able to be with us online, then Happy New Year. I'm glad you can be with us. Um, I'm a deacon here at Wellspring, and in addition to being a deacon, I also teach violin and I run a music school. So if you stick around here uh, after the next, after today, and you come back next week, or the week after, you might see me here playing violin on the worship team with uh, one of Tom, our, our worship leader today. He's my husband, so. Uh, I have the privilege of starting us off on Colossians today. So like many of the New Testament books, Colossians was written to the apostles in, or by an apostle, two Christians in a town. In this case, it was Paul writing to the Christians in Colossae. Colossae was an ancient city in the Roman province of Asia Minor, uh, which is now modern-day Turkey. And it was built along a major trade route that ran through the Lycus River Valley, uh, and the land around the city was lush and fertile. Uh, when I was about 16, we went to Turkey, and uh, we did not visit Colossae. I wanted to have major points with you guys and have a picture of me and Colossae, but that didn't happen because we didn't go. So you'll just have to imagine Colossae and the ruins. Um, so around Colossae, animals thrived on the lush pastures because it was uh, in the valley, the river valley, and Colossae become very well known for its wool cloth that was dyed its signature deep Colossae red. By the time Paul was writing his letter to the Colossians, though, uh, Colossae had shrunk significantly from its original population. It wasn't the major hub that it had been, uh, and it had been recently devastated by two earthquakes within the last 60 years at the time of Paul writing his letter. So when he wrote his letter to Colossians, Paul was in prison, um, and when he heard that the Colossae Christians were falling victim to deceptive and untrue gospel teachings, he decided to write them his letter. Uh, in this letter, he named and condemned the ways that the Colossae Christians were being led astray by false teachings, such as confusing philosophy, 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 arguments, deception, matters of what food and drink were permissible, as well as restrictions on uh, festivals and celebrations. With the gospel of Christ at his back, Paul refuted each of the theological blunders that the young church was making, but he didn't just leave it there. Most people in the Colossae church hadn't met Paul, and Paul would never visit Colossae, um, and even though he had never been to Colossae, he still cared about this young church deeply, and he wanted the young church to know and understand the context of their lives within God's story. Sidebar, I'm going to use the language of big E empire and kingdom today. Kingdom, not kingdom. The empire is mostly the Roman Empire and also the world around us that dictates and relegates foreigners, prisoners, children, women, the poor and the sick to the lowest places in society. The kingdom of God reflects the family of equals who serve each other with no one more important than the other. The kingdom of God doesn't keep track of debts, wealth or lack of wealth, importance, gender, sexual identity or past experience. When writing to the church at Colossae, Paul wanted the young church to know that they were part of the kingdom of God, even though they lived within the boundaries of the empire. So Paul used language that every person living in the Roman Empire would understand, language of fruitfulness and fertility. 
To grow up within the Roman Empire was to be surrounded by the appearance of fruitfulness and fertility. We know from architecture, paintings, and literature that the idea of flourishing, fruitfulness, and uh, fertility was central to Rome's justification of authority. Verdant scenes of plenty are splashed across sculptures, artwork, and architecture from that age. The message of the empire spoke loud and clear to all. With military might, with law and with order comes, uh, or with law and with control comes order, flourishing, and life. But this fruitfulness and fertility within the Roman Empire was contingent on its subjects staying in line, being controlled by the military, and staying on the right rung of the socio-economical ladder. But to be honest, it was more of a three-pedestal, you know, three-level pedestal, uh, with Romans by birth at the top, Romans um, who were awarded citizenship in the middle, and then everybody else at the bottom. This claim of fruitfulness and abundance was a claim that continually called everyone to acknowledge that Rome was the source of everyday abundance. People could live abundant, safe, and secure lives if only they were faithful to the empire and the structures that kept its power contained and ruling the lives of those who lived within it. It's hard to say no to abundance, safety, and security when otherwise it seems like you will go hungry, cold, and destitute. A good modern comparison is Jeff Bezos thanking Amazon workers for putting him in space while multitudes of Amazon workers live below the poverty line and don't even have time to use the washroom during their 10-hour shift. Amazon workers live as part of a tight-knit community that works together to fulfill the dreams of one man with none of the lasting benefits overflowing to them. You can climb the ladder as far up as you want and you will never touch the rung that Jeff Bezos is sitting on. And this is the gospel of the empire. Live within the abundance that the empire brings and do not aspire to abundance outside the empire. Outside the empire is chaos, destruction, hunger, and death. And then born onto the lowest pedestal level of the Roman Empire comes Jesus, a Hebrew man who preaches his very own gospel, which is good news that will sustain and heal the world. It's not a coincidence that the Greek word for gospel is euangelion, which is the same word the empire used for announcements of military success and proclamations from the emperor. Words of fruitfulness and fertility are deeply, deeply subversive words to be used in the context of anything other than success of the Roman Empire. And Paul leans into this and reminds the church in Colossae that the gospel of Jesus bears a totally different kind of fruit than the fruit of the empire. When the Israelites were given the law of God, law by God, they were called to be a people of fruitfulness, jubilee, and life the complete opposite of the empire. The empire dictates and relegates foreigners, prisoners, children, women, the poor, and the sick to the lowest places in the empire. But instead, the law of God requires slaves to be released, debts to be forgiven, the destitute to be taken care of, and the Sabbath of people and land to be recognized and practiced regularly. The fruit of the gospel of Jesus comes from the routine practicing of justice and faithfulness. The fruit of the empire comes from military and economic oppression of everyone not born into the empire. 
The majority are oppressed so that an incredibly wealthy minority can rule them. But while the empire is preoccupied with all of its posturing and fruitful, of fruitfulness and power, the people of God are called to imagine something totally, completely different. While the empire is sustained by the work and toil of the weakest and the poorest of the boundaries, giving their all for nothing in return, the kingdom of God is seen in everyone, from everywhere on the wealth spectrum, who give their everything to care for the weakest and poorest of the kingdom. In verse 10 of our Colossians passage, Paul writes, So that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. The good work of the Lord undermines everything the empire promotes as ideal. The hoarding, the violence, the false sense of abundance, and the advantage gained by staying within the empire. As I was prepping for this sermon, I was struck by the overwhelming majority of commentaries and sermons regarding Colossians that were quick to say that Colossians was all about how our relationship with God through Jesus Christ impacts us in the workplace, specifically how slaves must love and serve their masters happily. Although Paul could not have known what life was going to be like for us 2,000 years later, I highly, highly doubt that he was only talking to slaves and masters. But I do think that Paul knew the question of empire versus kingdom would resurface time and time again in the future. Paul knew that there would always be a worldly power that would attempt to subdue the earth and draw every person into its fold. There would always be an empire to struggle against again and again. It's a timeless message for us, and it will be timeless for generation after generation to come. And if this makes you feel exhausted, like it does for me, with the thought of struggling against the hold of the empire for the rest of time until Christ returns, take heart. In verse 12, Paul says, Give thanks to God who has enabled us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. God has rescued us from the power of corruption and sin and transferred us into the kingdom of the beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul is reminding the Colossians here that they didn't have to hope for their birth into the kingdom to bring about the good and wonderful fruits of the kingdom in the future. It was something that had already happened. And because it had already happened, this hope could never die, nor would it be taken away from them. When we live our lives from the place of hope, we are more easily able to reject the ways of the empire and lean into the kingdom way of life. We have every tool we need inside of us to change the world. When we were rescued and bought by the blood of the Lamb, we were blessed with all of the strength we need to produce the fruits of every good work in Christ. Consider our own fruits now. What is the fruit of our lives? Is it the fruit of the empire? The fruit of the empire is the lack of care for foreigners, children, women, the poor, and the sick, as well as failing to practice mercy and justice. 
Actions that consume and devour what the earth has while not returning what we have taken is fruit of the empire. Actions that exploit the earth and the people that are called to be its caretakers are fruit of the empire. If we live in such a way that our lives impact others in a way that is harmful or negative, we are playing a part in the empire, and that is fruit of the empire. When God created and set up Israel as God's chosen people, God called Israel to be a different kind of nation than the nations that surrounded them, a nation of mutual aid and community, abundance and plenty for all. But Israel wanted a king to lead them, and so God warned them that if, if they had a king, that king would act just the same as every other king they saw ruling around them, cruel, demanding, and all-consuming. But Israel wanted to be like all the other nations around them, and their kings turned out to be just what God had warned them against. Israel didn't want to be just a kingdom. So just as the Israelites asked God for a king, and they had to live with being part of an empire, a kingdom that had become an empire, if we play at living within the empire, soon enough there will be no playing at it. We will need to live with the consequences of living with an imperial mindset. But I don't need to explain to you what this would look like, because within Wellspring we have teachers, doctors, social workers, nurses, community leaders, and thought leaders. We know the hurt, the anguish, and the pain that will flourish in this world when we live with an imperial mindset. Or is our fruit that of the kingdom? The fruit of the kingdom is taking care of the least of all, the children, the prisoners, the foreigners, the poor, and the sick. Do our actions allow others to flourish and in turn produce good fruit in their lives? Do our actions spread love? Does justice flow like water from our lives. The fruit of living within the kingdom of God is shown when there is enough for everyone, when nobody gets left behind, and all people are safe, loved, taken care of, and treated with equity and justice. So my friends and siblings in Christ, May you be made strong with all of the strength that comes from God's glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience, with joyfully giving thanks to God, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. God has rescued us from the power of corruption and sin and transferred us into the kingdom of the beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen.